Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Patty G Show. If you are coming at us live from Facebook or you're joining into the podcast, you are listening to the Patty G Show. I am your host, Patty G, here with Nick Deshera from Grabit. He is a co-founder of Grabit. Nick, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. I know we had a little bit of setup issues. We've got a little bit of a bigger production here today, so thank you for your patience. Of course, of course. So for those that may not be aware, what is Grabit in a nutshell? Yeah, so Grabit is an on-demand pickup and delivery service. Uh, We have an app. Uh, You can go on, you can order anything from any store or restaurant. Um, We try to have everything listed um, and have it picked up and delivered, uh, usually within 40 minutes. Okay. Uh, And we don't want to have any limitation on how far you can deliver it, or we don't like radiuses that you can only deliver in. Uh, We want anyone to be able to use it. Okay, so it's you get whatever you want, but you do more than just restaurants, right? Yeah, we do restaurants. Um, we get a lot of grocery orders, uh, retail orders. People send flowers. Uh, you know, all kinds of crazy things. Gosh, dude. So how do you how do you kind of control just the uncertainty that's going to come through the app? I mean, you've got people coming in from groceries to I think one of y'all's pictures was like a car part from O'Reilly's or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so we have certain controls. We we used to have to touch each order to Mm. where every time one came in we would approve it the administrators would go in and say okay we'll let this one go through (laughs) um and now we're um utilizing our drivers more and so like we have some automation that we put in where we we are now blocking a lot of items um if it has keywords that we know we can't deliver um then we do that but then also we're utilizing the drivers we're saying um, before you take this order, before you pick it up, um, you know, make sure it's not one of these things first. Okay. Um, so what, what are the criteria for not being able to be delivered? Um, so anything that can explode, um, (laughs) it really, the good thing is that most of the time people are ordering from stores or restaurants and pretty much everything in a store or restaurant you can buy. There are certain restrictions like tobacco, alcohol, which is kind of something we're working on right now. Um, but uh, it's generally those types of things. We, you can't order um, money cards and okay. things like that that could be you know used in weird ways. Uh, so uh, for the most part, we can pretty much deliver anything. That's awesome. So how how did you get involved with Grabit? I mean, what's what's let's go back several years. You know, yeah, pre high sure. school. What kind what kind of kid were you, man? Oh man, um, I was really curious. I like to take anything and everything apart. I mean, I would take apart our vacuum cleaner. I want to know how everything worked. (laughs) Um, So uh, I was always working on something, always, you know, tinkering something, soldering something together. Um, So I've just always been interested in in engineering and and just creating, you know, something um, that wasn't before. Um, And so I went to Auburn University uh, where I did software engineering. um, And that was really good for, you know, teaching me the fundamentals of, programming and how to stay ahead when you know you're working in the technology field where uh, you know six months goes by and you're out of date you know and so a lot of what they taught us was uh, they were they were like everything that you're going to learn by the time you graduate is going to be irrelevant so we have to teach you how to grow I mean how to learn quickly so that you can keep up how can you learn a new programming language you know how can you adapt to that new technology that, that sort of thing and so um, I was work. I was working there at Auburn as well for their website, um, helping develop and 
bring uh, their engineering college to uh, a mobile first plat- um, platform for all of their websites and everything. And so I was working with them um, and uh, I stayed there and did an MBA, um, which taught me a lot about just business and, you know, as a programmer, you know, you kind of only see one side of, of it. Right. Um, but I was dead set on, you know, wanting to work in tech startups, you know, work up the ranks uh, and create something really big. And so I wanted to know all the business side of it as well so I could, you know, manage better, not get taken advantage of, develop better products, that kind of thing. So I did that. Um, and eventually down the road, I met uh, Mike Landry and okay. he's uh, the uh, one of the co-founders and he had started it by just putting his phone number on a website and, and <laughs> said kinda, and said okay. send me his personal phone and said send me you know your grocery list and we'll, we'll get it taken care of and what what year what, what year was this in um, just so we can get some context yeah so it was 2017 early okay. 2017 2016 um, okay. when that first started and so that was the most rudimental I mean it was literally a phone number on a website and one of those square card readers yes you know and so people would text in their order what they wanted uh, huge you know lists that were just insane um, and then we had to try to figure out uh, how to get it to them and do it quickly and do it at scale and so he actually I was uh, living in Mobile at the time um, I had started a um, uh, a little business that uh, it's called Door Trends, and it's uh, it's some software that bars use to manage like get their guest list, who's on who's on the list, who's not, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, and they can see analytics as far as you know how many people are coming in per day and trends and things like that. And so I was there, and Google and TechStars were hosting an event in Mobile, and it's like a startup weekend um, where you go in. And you have a bunch of people and they pitch an idea to the group and then everybody votes on like eight or so that everyone thinks the most interesting. And then from there, uh, you all split up into those groups and then you work over 72 hours to basically put together a pitch deck, flesh out all the ideas. And at the end, you pitch in front of real investors. Okay. And so it was very, I mean, we didn't sleep much, you know, it was very, it was very, very interesting. I learned a lot. Um, but one of the people I met there was Mike and Mike had actually traveled over in, in search of trying to find a developer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, his position was, well, we were just on a team together. And at the end of it, he said, Hey, you know, let me take you out for a beer. Uh, I just want to pick your brain. Um, and so we started talking about it and he said, look, you know, I've got this business, um, it's growing. We've got investors who want to invest and we want to really grow it up. But if we don't have, um, you know, a programmer on the team, you know, some kind of a tech lead, it, it, there's just no way we can really scale it up. We need an app. Right. You know, and so that's what I was doing was I was working on my bar business. I was developing apps for clients, kind of one off. Um, and it was just perfect. And so I said, well, uh, you know, I really want to, you know, do something like that as well. And I love the concept. And so I said, well, I'll come to, you know, Louisiana with you. Uh, we'll pitch to some investors. And if we get an investment, I'll stay, you know. And so that's kind of how it worked. And so um, it was crazy, man. We, we, we pitched to some really amazing people. Um, and they really gave us a shot. Um, and they, we said, look, we don't want much. We just want enough to see if the idea is good. You know, we think it's good. Right. The customers like it, but we don't want to waste your money, you know, or ours. So, yeah. you know, just let us get a little bit of something to have a runway. 
and uh, and just see. Um, and so that's what we did. Um, and we were living in this, you know, one bedroom apartment. It, anytime it rained, the whole place would flood. I mean, it was terrible. I was sleeping on an air mattress. Dude, the glory days. That's what you yeah, mean. Yeah, the glory yeah, days. Yeah, it was fun. It was, uh, it was a lot of hard work. I mean, all you did, all you did was work and sleep. Um, and so, uh, and driving around a lot. And so it was really, um, really interesting experience. Yeah, well, and that's, I think a lot of startups, you know, I, I love how you said that you, you only wanted just enough, you know, you didn't, yeah. you didn't want a big raise so you could just, you know, take off for however many years you were like, Hey, we didn't want to test the idea first. Yeah. And I think some startups, they don't really have that notion initially. They're like, how much can we raise? It's you know, a lot easier to get 30,000 than 300,000. That's and how, how much can you do yeah. as a lean startup model? Yeah. You can get accomplished with 30 grand. Yeah. Especially if you're doing all the program, you don't have to hire it out. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's so cr- crucial. I'm sure it yeah. is to the start and the growth of the company. Yeah. And so, I mean, it was really, we just kind of took inventory and said, you know, what bills do we have to pay? You know, what can we put in? Because our, it was every time we get a new customer, they then order repeatedly, you know, for the right. next couple of years. And so for us, it's like any dollar that we take out is costing us, you know, down the road. So we wanted to take everything and and just test it first. And then if that worked, then we have something much more, much stronger, you know, evidence to show to bigger investors and say, okay, look, we tried it. It's looking good. Mm -hmm. You know, let's pour some gasoline on my fire. Let's see what we can do. Yeah, it's getting that initial, you know, body count, I guess, for yeah. lack of a better term, for the for the app saying, look, we have this many users coming on. But I think the bigger question that investors are looking for is how many repeat users do you have? Yeah, sure. Especially something, you know, apps for comparisons like Waiter, you know, yeah. uh, Uber Eats, something like that that goes and gets people what they need from the store without them having to leave. Yeah. That first time you come through is great, but that's just a one-time customer yeah. it's getting people in the notion of oh my gosh i don't have to grocery shop anymore yeah you know i don't have to go to the store to get this anymore i can use grab it and say hey give me this yeah and then boom yeah. it's done yeah exactly um i mean and we see that a lot i mean we see people who get things delivered on a weekly basis um you know sometimes it's the same thing sometimes they're really odd you know <laughs> but then um you know we we get a lot of like mothers who with you know children new newborn children yes and they need a lot of help you know, they order a ton of diapers, formula, things like that. I'm and sure so, you know exactly where all the diapers and yeah, the formula yeah, are yeah, in yeah. the stores. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, dude. Okay, so you're you're a heavy programmer then. Like yeah. you. So I mean, from what I from what I heard, you were doing like little side jobs as a programmer while working on your other, you know, bar baby essentially. Yeah, yeah. So tell tell me more about that. What I know it's a it's a it's a customer tracking list for yeah. restaurants, but you know what? How did that go? Uh, so it's gone well um, until now. Uh, it's been really tough because a lot of the bars have been shut down, and yeah. the, my clients are having a really tough time. So I totally understand for them. But it started out um, in 2013. I was living in Auburn, and um, I was working on a website for uh, a bar, and they had a specific list uh, of what you know who could get in and who could you know who had to pay cover, and. Um, I noticed one day that they were they they were every day they were printing out these eighty page Excel sheets, you know, with like eight thousand names on it. Jesus uh, of all their of all their members and stuff. And then they had two, three, four of them for each door to to check people coming in. And so, so they're like like three hundred and sixty pages worth of stuff printing every day, this and that. And Dang. so finally, and I, I just kept noticing it when I would come in for meetings, and I finally said, right. well, what is that? You know. And so once we started looking at it, I said, you know, we could make an app for that, and 
and and really make this easier for you. Cause, and the way that he would input names, what he would you know write it on a, on a napkin at the bar, and then it would go to the manager, and then it was just a, a big you know process. People would get Jeez. lost, and so I developed the first version for him that was just where we could give the bouncers tablets and they could check. Um, and then when I moved to Mobile, um, I noticed that. Um, in Alabama, if there are, if you want to have a bar and it be open past two a.m., mm-hmm. you have to be a private club designated by the state. Okay. And so, what's the, what's the difference? Um, it just it it you have to have a membership at the bar. Okay. And then at that point, you can serve alcohol later in the day, uh, or later in the evening. And so, when I moved there, it just became annoying because I, I go to these bars. And you had to do paperwork to walk into a bar. I mean, I've never seen anything like that. And it was every bar down the street. You, you had to do paperwork to walk in. You had in. to become like a member of the bar. Yeah. And so I'm sitting here like, oh, man, I already made this for one bar. If I can, you know, rewrite it um, and just tweak it a little bit to follow the legislation and make sure it keeps them in compliance um, and it saves them from having to buy so many cards, pay someone to file them away, this and that. And so I just tweaked that and started making uh, making it for them to to suit their their needs and so that's been going well um all of the major bars in mobile use it um i'm working on um eventually having some help expanding it into some uh, other parts of alabama and there's a, a couple of other states as well that mm-hmm. have the same kind of uh regulations and so if it just takes a little minor tweak um, and it saves them money it's just kind of a no-brainer so, you know, I mean, especially you're saving money from not only paper costs, but yeah. just the headache yeah, yeah, of, oh, sure. did that guy's name get written down? Yeah. And if you miss one name, you've got to make sure that every person at every door has that name added to yeah. it or you have to reprint all the lists. Yeah. Whereas with yours, you're like, oh, wait, he's missing. Insert, you know, and exactly. then boom, everybody's updated. Exactly. And all the tablets are updated at the same time, you know. And oh, so, dude. And so it was just a no brainer. And then then I started looking at it and said, man, this is a lot of data uh, that's coming in. What can we learn from it? Can they uh, look at the trends uh, that will probably get better and better as we get more data into it and be able to determine how much alcohol to buy, how many people to have yes. staffed? You know? And so the whole idea with that was to just take the same kind of tools that I was used to in the tech world for websites and this and that, and it's the same kind of traffic. It's the same kind of customer flow as you get on a website, but in person. You know? Right. Well, and then it becomes your your whole staffing solution. I mean, that's the biggest thing for bar owners and restaurant owners is how much how many people yeah. do I staff? We actually have a, a the the bar that it started with in Auburn um, is it's a very very large bar. Um, it's a, and and what they do is they have actually portions uh, of the bar that they open up throughout the night. And so as okay. it, as it gets full, they'll open up more. Or if it's a night, they know they 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 constantly are kind of modulating between you know how big the place is versus you know how many people they expect dude and, and that's so, all done like they're able to see you know oh by 9 8 by 9 p.m we need to have this set this wing opened up yeah yeah they, they can pretty much see what their expected traffic's going to be and everything dude that's and so have you like expanded to restaurants as well or just within the bar scene no right now it's only really useful the most useful for the bars um, and it's as that kind of started growing is when I joined grab it. And so since then I've been pretty much all of my time on that. That's kind of been on, uh, in the back seat while I'm working on grab it. Um, gotcha. and so, uh, they've been, they've had a tough time cause they've all had to shut down. Um, I mean, right after everything started, um, 
you know, they kind of contacted me. And so I've worked with them. Um, but thankfully, the past couple of days, I've noticed more and more of them are coming back online. So it's good to see them back operating again. Oh, yeah. I mean, now that we're starting into phase one, people yeah. are getting, you know, more and more out there. And I'm sure by the time this episode goes live, who knows yeah. where, what phase we're yeah. going to be in. Yeah. But so how how is it balancing that? I know for a lot of entrepreneurs, they want to do multiple things. Yeah. I mean, for me, I can't sit still for more than five minutes, for sure. even though my shows are an hour long. Yeah. Plus, it's I'm able to work with that. But I know for some people that like to have little projects. And yeah. so what kind of have you seen with the balancing act between two, I mean, two could be potentially massive time yeah. accumulators between the little time that you have. Yeah. Well, thankfully with that app, um, you know, it was something I wrote in 2013 and I've refined. And nowadays I, it doesn't give me any headaches. Um, it runs itself. Um, everything runs on Google servers. So unless they go down, you know, my stuff is still going to be up. pretty good people to hedge your bets with yeah. is Google. Uh, and so, so I don't really have to worry about that much. Um, and so that one actually doesn't take a lot of time. Um, and if I have to, um, you know, I have some great people that I can work with and contact and say, Hey, can you help me out with this part? You know, let's upgrade this and that let's migrate this and that. So at this point it's, it's mostly just maintenance. Um, with that business really, I need someone in sales in Alabama that can go around, uh, and meet with owners. Uh, it's a lot, it's a lot of face, face time with bar owners yeah. and they're kind of hard to get in touch with as well. Cause they work weird hours, you know, they've got a lot on their plate as well. Um, so it really takes someone persistent to go find them and, and get them to sit down for five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Know? Don't, don't call them at 9am. Yeah. They're sleeping still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So while, yeah, exactly. Um, and so while I've been here, I've kind of had that just in the back seat. Um, but you're right. You I mean, you really have to, you have to balance it well and you have to get a good work-life balance as well or else you'll just yes. burn out. And that's, I mean, that's huge with anything. I, being an entrepreneur, running your own business or even working your typical nine to five, Definitely. you know, I'm, I'm in the accounting field and during tax season, which this year is seven months, not four. Yeah. Um, you, I mean, you're running 12, 14 hours a day for yeah. six, seven days a week yeah. from January through April 15th. Yeah. You know, now it's slowed down a little bit, but having that balance is tricky in any field. And yeah. so it seems like you've kind of found that whether it be through one taking the backseat because it's slowed down or yeah. just realizing what needed more time and what could handle less. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of it is too, um, you know, it's like, you know how it is when you're an entrepreneur, you you really, you get your, your hands dirty in every aspect of it and, yes. you, and you control a lot of it and it's really tough to hand over the wheel to, you know, sometimes. And so a lot of the way that I've been kind of finding balance is finding really good people that can help, uh, you know, empowering them, giving them responsibilities, um, and working together. Yeah. It's, as an entrepreneur, you're, you're when you start out, it's great to be just yourself, but yeah. you quickly realize you can't do everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. You, yeah. We can do everything. And you, you have to accept, right, that everything's not going to be perfect. I mean, you have Absolutely. to totally put it in the back of your head and just say, all I can do is, you know, do my best, try and get it done. Dude, that's it. You know, but I mean, you know, otherwise you'll just stress yourself out. You, you'll stress yourself out. And if something's not absolutely perfect in your eyes, yeah. you're going to panic or you're not going to get it out there. Yeah. And yeah. that's like the biggest crutch I've seen with entrepreneurs yeah. is being too 
afraid because it's not perfect. Yes. And they're like, it's not ready yet. You know, yeah. we're not we're not yeah. ready to go. We're not ready to launch. We're not ready to get out there. Yeah. You know, I had Vishal uh, Vasanji of Relief Telemed on, mm. and prior to all this COVID situation, he was like, oh, we're three months out before you know releasing the app. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, coronavirus came in, and he was like, okay, no, we're going live tomorrow. Exactly. You yeah. Know? And you have to, you have to yeah. adapt and make those changes. I think, yeah, the timing is is just as important as well i mean right. it's it's so important if you if you if you know this is like an example of you know the whole the box was shaken you know the whole world was shaken up a little bit right and i think it's important to uh the good entrepreneurs will find you know opportunities in that yes you know um but yeah yeah and, and going going down that route how have y'all been doing during this coronavirus i mean it, right now in my head as a lay person i'm like oh they've got to be spiking and going crazy yeah because yeah. nobody's leaving yeah it's it's been insane i mean um one of the really interesting things uh the orders have just been through the roof i mean it's all day and all night um and people are ordering like their lives depend on it which is you know kind of <laughs> true um but they're um it's it's a lot more serious and yes. i think for me in my head you know before I've always been passionate about this project, right? But before it was kind of a convenience thing. It was kind of a I'm on my couch, you know. I don't really want to get up. I want to have someone bring me this snack or this meal or this or that. <laughs> and so from from my point, it was like this is just like a nice convenience thing for people. Mm -hmm. um, but as soon as this hit, I mean, it became dead serious. Right. Well, it became. You know, it became personal at that point. Yeah. It became the fact of, okay, people can't get out. Yeah. You yeah. know, and you delivery drivers are essential, at least I think they were. Yeah, yeah. They but were. and so you're like, okay, we have an essential business here that can help people yeah. in more ways than just they're being lazy. Yeah. You know, now it's to the point of, okay, this mom needs diapers. This mom yeah. of like three or four kids whose husband is an essential worker, so he can't go anywhere because he's working and all this other stuff. Yeah. She now needs to be able to go to the store but can't pack up the four kids yeah. with this, you know, the risks that are out there. Yeah, I mean it's been amazing to see. I think that I think our team can feel it too. I think our team has been able to feel because we're still kind of in the middle of it. Our team has been able to feel like it's not just kind of a all for fun and games anymore. This is like real life. Um, and you, we're, we're constantly hearing stories of people who, whether it's elderly and, you know, or really at high risk that don't, you know, or can't get out, um, you know, to all kinds of things. I mean, um, it's just been, it's just been a lot more serious. Uh, I think, I think they, they can do it. And then we're also seeing things like, People are leaving little handwritten notes for our drivers. Um, I mean, we've seen twenty, thirty, and forty dollar tips, you know, for their oh, drivers. Gosh. You know, I mean, people are very appreciative, um, you know, of you know our great drivers going out and you know getting what they need. Yeah, and so what is it? What is it like kind of getting drivers right now? I mean, I know a lot of people who were working in some, you know, in bars or restaurants, yeah. they had to essentially lose their job or be furloughed. Are you able to find people that are being furloughed and saying, hey, come work for us? Yeah, yeah. Well, we have no shortage of drivers. We have like a 6,000 person waiting list. To be a driver. To be a driver. Dude. And, and so, and it's all over the country. And like, it, it's unfortunate that we can't hire them all right now. Cause I mean, that's, that was one of the main things going through my head when this all started was like, we need to raise money now and we need to get everyone hired, you know, now, you know, <laughs> yeah. but Go global now, yeah, if only it was that easy, you know, um, you know, so we've never had any shortage of, of that, but it, we've definitely noticed an uptick, uptick in applications, um, since this, um, you know, cause unfortunately a lot of people have lost their job and are looking for some way, you know, to make money in the interim or, you know, or going forward. 
Right. And so how are y'all working with the, with the growth? I mean, I know how many, how many cities y'all in right now? So I think officially it's, it's about 10, um, three major in Louisiana. So we're in Baton Rouge, Lafayette, um, and Lake Charles. Okay. Um, but we also deliver to all the surroundings. So Prairieville, Brulee, uh, Gonzales, Denham Springs, Addis, um, um, as well as Broussard, um, and uh, Sulphur, and um, there's another over there. Um, <laughs> another small town in that yeah, general area. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of it right now is those three main ones and then the surrounding areas. Okay. And so what is it like going from, you know, getting a new city on board? What are the, what are the kind of steps you all go through the protocol? Like what's your next city, your, look, your next big hub you're looking at, and kind of what are some factors going into that decision? Yeah, so um, right now we're mostly focused on those three. We're mostly focused on there's a lot of things that so at Grabit we really like to test everything. We're like extremely methodical. We we A B test something in this city, try it here, and every city's different. I mean, people oh, yeah. have different ordering habits, different um, you know spending habits as well, um, and so. A lot of it is research uh, on trying to figure out, like we, we target a lot of zip codes. So like we try to find, you know, we try to make sure all of our ads are hitting our the customer, the ideal customer. Um, and like one of the ways we do that, and this is kind of how we open a new city as well, is uh, through a lot of like targeted like Google ads. Um, you know, if somebody Googles, um, you know, Panda Express, you know, delivery or something. And we can have an ad right there that says, get it delivered now or Chick-fil-A delivery. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a really easy transition. They can easily say, okay. And they see, they go to the website and then they say, okay, I'll get the app. And then they order and they're happy. Yeah. Um, so it's finding that, that keyword Google phrase search is kind of like your bread and butter almost. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and honing that. Like mm -hmm. one thing that we learned was, if adding the word menu in there, that helps a lot. I mean, it makes sense if you're looking up the menu, you're, you're probably gonna, looking that up too. And yeah. so that's been really interesting is to kind of let the data guide us, but kind of back to your question on opening new cities. Um, it, it really just comes down to, um, I mean, we, the thing is, is that we've tried to make this thing because we were such a small team and, and in a way, a lot of, a lot of ways are a small team. We've tried to automate everything. Uh, I mean, so we, it was really interesting. Like we've we've tested certain markets where we'll turn it on, and we'll turn on our ads, and then within forty five minutes, people are driving and making deliveries. Oh, gee, that's fast. Yeah, it's really fast. Like for like a new city, you'll have it going into. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as soon like if so, usually what we'll do is we will hire some drivers in that area, have them ready to go, and then as soon as we turn on the ads, people start ordering. Wow. So um, that's been really easy. But it, it, and the thing is, too, is that was one of the things when we designed the business model of Grabit is we did not want to have to go and get a partnership with everybody. We didn't want to have to go and meet and sign contracts. That just seemed like a big bottleneck. Yeah. And, um, you know, all of this stuff is public information. You know, if you all the restaurants, um, we work with some great partners at Foursquare. Um, that have huge a huge API and, and database of uh, different venues, their phone numbers, their hours, this and that. So we can kind of work within that framework. Um, and so the way it's set up is if you download our app in any city um, in America, it already has the the popular restaurants. Um, so like the data comes in from Uber as well. Like when you take a, a ride, uh, you know, to and from. 
um, there's all kinds of data that comes through. So essentially it's, it's really easy for us to open a new one. Um, it's finding good quality drivers is the challenge. Um, and, and finding, um, you know, if you can partner with people in the city that helps a lot. Yeah. Well, it's so can we go into the classification of your drivers as far as employee, not, or uh, yeah. independent contractors? Yeah. So yeah. what, what do y'all classify them They're as? independent contractors. Okay. And so how does that work whenever, so if somebody orders something from, yeah. like I say, I put in my order, go to like Albertsons or sure. something and I get, you know, 10 or 12 items. If something comes back and it's not the exact item, you know, how do, how do you solve that problem? So what happens is whenever someone places an order, um, so drivers uh, can go active or mm -hmm. inactive whenever they want. We can't right. tell them when to work. Um, and then whenever someone places an order, anyone who's active and within uh, an acceptable range gets a notification that says, you know, Patrick has ordered from Albertsons. Mm -hmm. um, and so then the first one to accept it gets it. And then uh, after that, um, they go through, um, and this is a recent addition. We're now able to show, you know, what are the, the, what does the photo look like? It helps the driver find it. Um, and we've, they're trained to message the, the driver or the customer if yeah. there's any issues to say, Hey, they don't have this. Do you want that? Um, I mean, cause it's kind of goes back to the question you and asked, asked earlier, like how do you handle the unpredictability mm -hmm. of what people could order? Yeah. It's really difficult. It's really <laughs> difficult. And I mean, cause you don't know where they're picking up from. I mean, you have, we have to kind of try to anticipate what people are going to order before they order right. and also look at the data and see what people are ordering and how can we streamline that process for them. Um, but that, that was a big challenge was, you know, how do we know if it's on the shelf? You know, yes. how, how do we know if it, do they even sell that item? You know, yeah. that type of thing. And then maybe they only have the wrong flavor. And so that type of thing, I mean, unless you have a massive, massive team, it's, it's almost impossible to program and you, you still can't get every, you know, combination, you yeah. know, covered. And so we just said, let's just let the drivers and the customers talk. You know, if they want to message them and ask them directly, and that works really well. Um, and I think it, it helps with tips as well because it feels like a more personal touch. Yes. It's not like you edited your order and you just you, you drop down and you picked a thing. You know, you had an interaction with someone. And, I mean, we've had drivers that will drive around town to find you that thing. I mean, they'll go to three different you know, Walgreens, like the one big thing this recently, Clorox wipes. Everyone wants to get Clorox wipes. <laughs> um, and I mean, we've had customers who order every single day, you know, at 8 a.m. ready to go Clorox wipes from this place and they're always sold out, you know. And so, and, but our drivers, you know, will go around, they'll find it, um, you know, for them. And so they appreciate that and they, they, yeah. they tip. And so it's kind of, you know, it's part, we're in a way, we're kind of a, like a food delivery, but in another way, it's more of a, courier kind of you know it's like having someone who can help you out you know and go grab it for you you know quickly and you know take care of the job right um and we now um have where the customers can rate the drivers and this and that and leave nice tips and so um that, that's been working well and it lets us know you know what drivers we want to keep and which ones we want to you know not work with so much yeah and it gives it gives whenever I'm using the app, it gives the user that peace of mind, like, oh, this guy, this person has, you know, five stars or something, or this yeah. person has four and a half stars, yeah. and the time they didn't have that, they got the half stars because they were 15 minutes late, and you had that one customer yeah. that's like, oh, you're 
30 yeah. seconds late, you're getting yeah. a bad review. And yeah. You're going to run into them. Yeah. You're going to run into the ones that are going to call and say the milk was cold. Okay, well, yeah, there was 5 o'clock traffic in Baton Rouge. Yeah, you know, that happens. S- and one thing happens. that we try to do with that is we try to give them more visibility into the thing. You know, some sometimes you order something and it, it's like a black box. You know, your order was sent off and then who knows it, when it's it coming. Shows up. It, it just appears at the door, you know? Yeah. And so one of the things that we said from the onset was that we wanted real-time tracking. We wanted you to be able to look at the map, see where the driver is, yeah. you know, see when they're at the, at the store. But then even further on that, we're now even showing a look into while they're shopping. So now you can see of all the items that you have on your grocery list, you can see how many they've gotten already, Whoa. and you can see it live. I don't know if you've seen that yet, um, but that's a no. New I, thing. I, I haven't. I haven't used it. a grocery shop. I've used to grow grab, yeah. you know, grow grab me some food or yeah. something. But because I just, I enjoy that grocery experience. Yeah, just yeah, walking sure. through the grocery store and for sure. You know, maybe one day if I'm not here, my wife will use it. I'm sure because she's yeah. like the last thing she wants to do is go to the grocery store. And yeah. I know a lot of people are like that. So yeah. having that ability is is huge. Yeah, and so that's what we want to do. We wanted to give them better visibility so that they aren't wondering um and and let them just give them a lot better information yeah and it's having that access as a user yeah and having that experience of knowing exactly when the product's coming and what where the product is and i'm sure you know they can even send a picture of like hey they didn't have your right brand here's the closest thing is this okay it happens all the time it happens all the time um you'll see like someone the other day ordered salsa and they took a picture of the row and they didn't have the salsa they wanted so they just took a picture of the whole row and said which one do you want you know and so it just it's a level that you you know it's a level that you can't get with a lot of other services i mean you have yeah. someone who really is caring about getting what you need because typically you need it for some reason you're trying to cook dinner for your family or you know lots of reasons yeah it's you know i wouldn't order it if i didn't need it yeah exactly. you know it's not like i'm just shopping i can wait and have that shipped yeah exactly it's like okay i need this i've, I've got my meals planned out for the week exactly. i need this done exactly and so how are you kind of screening the drivers to ensure you maintain that high quality? Yeah, so we background check all of our drivers um, out the jump. Um, and we've, we've recently started new programs where we're spending more time with them ahead of time. I mean, some drivers show up and they've got, you know, a vest on and they've got like a retractable card thing to, you know, show their ID. I mean, they're like 100% drivers and they yeah. are very serious it's it's very impressive it's very impressive to see them um because they're they're very professional um and then you know some are, are terrible you know and there's a lot of terrible ones and so yeah. we have to easily and quickly get rid of those and, and find the good ones and so like one of the ways that we're doing as well is we're starting to offer if you maintain a certain you know rating yeah. uh, a high rating you'll get offered the orders first in that first minute you know, and this and that. But it's also kind of a, a balancing act because if it takes too long for an order to get accepted, people will cancel their order. Right. So we have to find a way to feed them all to the best drivers and closest drivers um, and not take up too much time. Yeah, and then it kind of creates a little bit of competition between the drivers definitely. of like, okay, you know, I have to do the, the best job because that's how I'm getting my money. You know, yeah, I'm getting definitely. I'm getting these orders based upon my track record. Definitely. And if I have a bad order or I mess something up, I, I'm not going to get the order. Yeah, yeah. And it's that attention to detail that I'm sure like y'all were going like going back to how y'all were saying you're so methodical and how the apps created and yeah. how everything's developed. It's finding those drivers I seen can be a challenge, but once you find them, it's like don't go. Yes. <laughs> please yeah, yeah. Pl- we'll please don't you. leave. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so what is it, you know, how do you know when you have 
a bad driver outside of reviews. I mean, I know some people are hesitant to leave a bad review if they have a bad experience. Yeah. So how you're able to kind of weed those out? Ours along tell the way. us immediately if there's if there's a bad experience. Thankfully, we don't have a lot, but when when something does go wrong, they tell us immediately because um, because they do have that direct line to talk to mm-hmm. us. You know, some some places it's a lot tougher to get uh, an issue you know heard, um, but we we want to be on top of everything because because a lot of times it's something that we could say ah oh, we could tweak the app and not have this issue anymore or we could put this in the training and not have this issue anymore um and so we'll go back to your what was your question about how did it start about this what was how did your question start oh about going into the drivers and trying to find the bad weeds that come well i was gonna say um another thing is that you know we're we also observe we mean we have people who are watching each delivery um i mean some just go and you don't even notice it just they just go on um but sometimes we're watching especially if we have someone who we're worried about uh has been getting bad ratings like for example we can see where the driver is throughout the delivery uh to even a finer degree than the customers can um and we've caught drivers that will accept an order and then they also five minutes later pick up a uber uh you know and then so then they pick up somebody and drop them off and are just wasting our time and our customers time right you know and then they they pick up the thing and they might take another you know ride share uh in between when they drop it off so we get rid of those people yeah i mean you got um, these just rude. they're in the gig economy they're they're yeah. trying to pick up little gigs here and yeah. there I get it, but it's like, you know, if you're in the middle of one, show some respect, you know, so. You should work like a non-compete clause yeah. into the contract. Yeah. Okay, so going back to like an app or like a startup yeah. kind of mentality that y'all have, what are, you know, some of the, the lessons that y'all have come up with in developing the app? I mean, I'm sure you've, you've already had experience developing one. Mm-hmm. Kind of what did you learn from that moving into Grabit? Well... I mean, I think um, even when I was at Auburn, you know, when you're working on the website, um, you have tons of people, you know, I think one of the main things, the big takeaway is like you have to know your audience and you have to tailor each part to that audience. Um, You know, when I was at Auburn, we had to think about what were the people, the donors Mm -hmm. looking at? What were the parents looking at? What are the students looking at? What are potential professors looking at? And so it's the same kind of thing with us. We are constantly trying to think about what do the partner, what do the restaurants want to see when they're considering partnering with us? You know, what do the retailers want to see? What do the customers want to see? You know, and so um, that was a big takeaway as far as that. But and then also um, getting removing any barriers. So one thing that you really have to worry about in app development is like drop off rates. And so you know, we've all been there. We download an app and then a text comes in. And we don't ever finish setting up the app. Maybe a week later, we might open it or delete it. <laughs> right. You know, and so that's a huge drop-off point. Or when they download the app, and then they've got to put in their address or their credit card. Yes. All of those are big drop-off <clears throat> points. And so, you know, a lot of what we do is a lot of what you're doing is you're trying to think about the psychology of the user um, when they get to the app store. Uh, if they even download it from the app store. You yeah. know what I mean? Because if they get there, if your pictures are low quality, I mean, I read, we get these reports from uh, Google where they show us um, trends in the app stores and um, what people are downloading, how people are acting inside of apps and stuff. And it turns out the quality of your icon is one of the most important factors in if someone downloads your app. 
Yes. Like regardless of the features and this and that, if the icon's not great, it's they're out. Especially for a new app that yeah. you know you're trying to get the brand out there. I mean, exactly. somebody sees like Facebook, they know what Facebook is. Yeah. But for you, it's like okay, grab it. How are we going to stand out? Yeah. How are we going to be that app that somebody sees and it's like okay, what yeah. what, what what is this? And it's a hard lesson to learn because you, as a programmer, you want to just make the best app. You want to make all the features and have no bugs. But if no one downloads it, there's no point. Yeah. You know, and so that's a big that's a big factor too and then also when they download it if they drop off because you did you didn't do a good job of handling the situation or presenting to them that they need to enter this information they're out and so and that that's tough because typically to get that customer you had to pay you know some advertisement funds uh to get them to download it and if they don't if they don't order you know it hurts you know and you know already the you know conversion rates are, are low across the industry. I mean, typically you don't always buy something when you go to a website, but right. or an app. But um, you know, that's that's been a big thing with every app I've worked on is really thinking like getting into the head of the customer and what are they thinking? You know, they're hungry. You know, what are they thinking about when they're using your app? Um, and what are the things that could trip them up? And then also putting in analytics. You know, we we have almost every button in the app tracked we know if someone clicks this if adds to the cart but then doesn't uh you know order it um Mm -hmm. and what percentage is doing that we know uh, you know how many ones they viewed how many venues they viewed before they placed an order you know so that is essential because then you can really see oh wow man we have so many customers at this point and they got to this step and so many dropped off you know we got to work on this page specifically you yeah. know and what, what about this specific page made them drop off so i think that's another key when you're talking <laughs> about things and practices that came from developing it was uh letting the data show us and drive us um on you know what we needed to work on yeah and that's so huge in apps is the data yeah of you know the users and the ad tracking as to where people are seeing it, how they're seeing it. You know, yeah. are they are they scrolling through, you know, Instagram or LinkedIn yeah. or something at six o'clock in the afternoon? Like, you know, I'm starting to get a little hungry. And so you start seeing, oh, we'll grab it at. Oh, yeah. now within that data, are you all partnering up with like restaurants and bars and grocery stores that are running promotionals? You know, if a restaurant's like, oh, tonight is, you know, happy hour at four o'clock. Mm-hmm. Are y'all kind of incorporating that within the app? So not yet. Right now we're in a we're in a process where we're trying to build um, uh, a dashboard for the restaurant partners for them to be able to go and edit their menu. Right now, I mean, we enter every menu ourselves with the team, Okay. which is extremely tedious. Um, we have <laughs> yeah. we have tools that we can use that make it a little easier, but it's really high touch and you've got to know what you're doing if you're entering it into the database. Um, but we have a lot of that stuff that we've made kind of administrative tools for. So like when I was doing that with the bar and when I was doing my clients, a lot of the work that I did was um, in organization apps and software. So right. things that would take their processes, take their really tedious man hour things. And how can we make it really easy for the people who don't want any change? Um, and how can we improve it and, and organize it? And so we've started to do the same kind of thing with ourselves, um, where we have an administrative app where we can go in and easily add items to a menu now. But the next evolution of that is um, an outside facing thing where the venue owners can come in and say, okay, this is our special, or this is no longer on the menu. Um, and as well as promos. So that's another thing that we're working on right now is letting them 
uh, if they want, subsidize. Because one thing I don't think we've really covered that differentiates us from all the other uh, deliveries uh, services is that we don't take any percentage from the venue. Okay. I mean, you hear about some companies here that, uh, you know, are raising and raising and raising to the point of there's restaurants protesting. Um, but we don't take any percent because we know already the margins in restaurants are small. Yeah. You restaurants, know? grocery stores. I mean, you're yeah. working on small margins but high volume yeah exactly so we don't take any percentage out of their pocket um and so that's been really useful as well so how how then on the flip side of it is the the revenue model i guess so um basically what happens is um it's 399 uh is the base to place an order and then we charge a dollar a mile um and the reason we do that is so that we can allow people to use it like a taxi or use it like a ride share they can get something from some part of the city to somewhere else, um, and, and we're not restricting them really in any way. Right. Um, and then what happens is uh, we take the prices off the menu. We take the prices off of the restaurant um, and uh, off of the you know inventories of the sites, um, and just add a small markup to it. And that because our drivers have credit cards, these big red grab it credit cards <laughs> that they swipe. Right. Um, because the thing is, is if you want to, it's really difficult for us, someone like us to call up a Walmart and say, hey, you know, why don't you build us something so we can use, we're, we're integrated into your system nationwide. They don't even, you know. Who, who, who are you? Even, yeah, who are you? <laughs> um, and so what we wanted, we said, we don't want to have any of these limitations. We don't have yeah. to go do this. Here's a credit card, you know. And they're, they're, they're very secure, these cards. They only are funded during an order and only for how much they need. And we have lots of restrictions on where they can swipe it, and it's tied into where the driver is. So it's very safe. It's that meticulous background that's all coming full circle, meticulous. Okay, let's not just give them an open credit card. Yeah, let's can't do that. Limit it. All right, you have a one-hour window to purchase yeah, your stuff. Yeah, no, ser seriously. It's, it's very much like that. Oh, geez. Um, and, I mean, if, if their card is not in the same location as where it's ordered, it's not working either. Um, oh, that's cool. And so we have everything locked down on that. But that's why we have to mark it up a little bit um, is to pay the driver um, and to pay the, the, the credit card fees and this and that to swipe, right. you know, when you go into the store. And um, and also to, you know, account for um, just just making sure that it's going to happen. Um, yeah. And we don't try to take uh, a large percentage at all from ourselves um, because, you know, once we set up the platform, it's the drivers out there doing the work. Right. So we make sure the drivers are getting paid well and we want them to be paid better than other services because um, they're doing more that's it's a much more personal touch and, and action and so our opinion is we'll make money at scale um you know let's just make sure our driver is getting taken care of we don't people protesting us or this and that um and, and we don't need to we really if we can cover our costs to develop the app um and run advertisements um and and, and create more jobs for the drivers yeah. um then it works out well and then that goes back to that lean startup model that y'all been kind of moving forward with everything. I mean, yeah. making sure that the customers first, yeah. the drivers, you know, are second, and yeah. then we'll we'll come in wherever we can. Sure, you know, it's we want that user experience. We want the drivers to say, "Hey, we enjoy working for Grabit." Yeah. You know, we we love the community. We love what they're doing for us. Yeah, and they're paying us well. Yeah, and so then it gives them incentives to stay and maybe drop off those other couple yeah. apps yeah. and do just. And Grab you know, it. I don't I don't mind if they're driving for other apps as long as it's you know not during one of ours. <laughs> right, um, because many of them do. I mean, many. Of 
of our drivers, you'll see their car with five stickers in it. You know, every service <laughs> you can think of, and yeah. they're hustlers, man. They they get a uh, they get an order and they go. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really impressive. It's it's a job that I don't think we would have imagined a decade ago. No, we would have you know delivery drivers where oh you're you're driving for the big guys, your yeah. UPS, your FedEx, and yeah. your mail, USPS, but not for apps yeah not for individuals needing stuff the same day yeah. i mean within the hour yeah. almost yes yeah, i mean that is having something delivered to you within an hour is just mind-blowing yeah that i can order something at a store and have somebody bring it to me within an hour it's all right whatever, yeah. what was the cost all right yeah yeah it's, and, it's ma- and many other services right now are having three-day delays um which is wild i mean i couldn't imagine a three-day delay yeah, um, Prime is going to have an interesting conversation with everybody after this. Yeah, two-day yeah. shipping went to a week and a half. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. <laughs> okay, so kind of getting towards wrapping up the show. Um, you, you've done a lot, and you've been kind of with programming at the center of it. Mm-hmm. What are two lessons for any programmers that are out there that you would give when they're just starting out? I think one of them goes back to what we were talking about. Uh, you know, There's a phrase in programming that like if you released – and there were no bugs, you released it too late. And I think that so often people get caught up in wanting it to be perfect. Um, that, that just becomes a big mental roadblock for them. And it's like their ego is on the line. And the thing is, is, you know, when you put something out, you're going to have tens of thousands of people using it and they're going to find, you know, things that you didn't think of. They're going to find some way to click the button wrong, uh, you know, that you, no way you could have thought of, um, that's going to, you know, give you a bad day. So I think that you just kind of have to push it out. You know, obviously you don't want to release anything terrible, especially if it's important or or there's something really responsible on it. But, um, you want to make sure you get it out there because that's also where you're going to learn what you can improve on. Right. So, I mean, just, you know, they say like, if you want to do something well, do it in public, you know, or do it on video, you know, that kind of thing. And so I think that's really important. You get the comments, you get the feedback, um, and it completely can change, um, from what your head is. Um, and I think another important thing for developers is, um, it's not about what you want. It's not about what you, how you want it to look or how you want it to function you have to keep in mind how the customer or how the user is going to want it. Um, because so often you can get caught up in, you know, this is my baby. This is the thing I'm working on. Mm -hmm. I want that button there, you know, but then you look at the data and you know, you see that people are skipping over that button. It's right on a point when you scroll, it's right above the screen. Exactly. And so, um, I think that's a, it's a big thing. And I'll, I'll add one more thing is too, is it kind of goes to the same thing is that it's so easy to get in a bubble. Um, yes. uh, when you're, when you're only talking to, I mean, I see some people who have apps where they use weird lingo, uh, that, you know, uh, in the app that you'd only understand if you were a professional in that industry. And the average customer doesn't know your industry very well. Yeah. You know, I mean, not as well as you do, if that's what you work in all day long. Um, So that that's a big thing, too, is just keeping in mind um, that it's going to be used by a lot of people who aren't familiar. Um, So that'd be a big thing as well. Okay, And so you you originally were in Alabama. Yes. Working on the bar scene and doing all that stuff. What what made you want to come to Baton Rouge outside of the app? But more importantly, what made you want to stay? Well, um, I really like I really like the people, and I think the people here are um, 
a lot more uh, risk averse. Uh, I think, well, people are much more willing to uh, try something new, to invest in something like this. Um, and so I love both, so I can't really put either one down. Um, but I, I really, like I said, I really like the friendliness that I've received here. Um, and I like, I've been really impressed with the number of entrepreneurs I've met here, which is really amazing. Um, I mean, just, and, and how many as well, I've been really impressed with, uh, how well a lot of the companies, the small businesses work together yes. here as well. Um, you know, specifically buying that brand, these guys coffee for your shop, you know, or specifically getting this, you know, biscuit from, from that baker, uh, you know, and that's really impressive just to see everyone supporting each other and building it up together. It's a support local first community, man. Yeah, that's for sure. That is so true. And that's, that's one of the big things that I wanted to do with the show is bring people on locally yeah. who are doing great things in the community, mm-hmm. you know, that are building the community up. It, it warms my heart to hear you say that you've met so many entrepreneurs in Baton Rouge. It's amazing. Because there, there are so many out there, yeah. you know, and it's shining a light on those people and what they do and the great things they're doing in the community is just huge to let people know, hey, there's great people out there yeah. doing awesome things. Yeah. So come check us out and yeah. don't just write Baton Rouge off. Yeah, you know, exactly. Don't write Louisiana off yeah, as just a sure. boot with a bunch of Cajuns and their, their shrimp boots and everything. For you know? sure. We're doing a lot more than that. I agree. So what is something that I can do to help you throughout this process or in anything? Well, um, I don't know. I mean, you've done a lot already. Um, I, we appreciate I'm your orders. Sat outside, we, well, no, we appreciate your <laughs> orders. We appreciate you giving giving us the shout outs after. Heck yeah. Um, you know, anytime we can get more eyeballs on it and expose more people, that's really useful for us. And so, um, you know, this has been great. Uh, I think you'll have to have me on. That would be a good way to help as well. Another time down the future. Well, when I can get all of y'all. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, get, yeah. We'll get all the, fa- well, all the co-founders on. We'll have some drinks. We'll sit around and we'll chat. That sounds great. And we'll do a progress report. That sounds great. Perfect, man. Well, Nick, thank you very much for coming on the show. For sure. And for everybody listening or watching, thank you all for taking the time out of your days to enjoy this. I know I enjoyed it. And if you haven't already, download the Grabit app. Check out them. They're all over social media. I mean, give them a like, give them a follow, whatever platform you're on, and order through them. Come on. Support local. And they pick stuff up for you. I mean, yeah. what's what's not to love? So thank you all so much. I'm Patty G here with Nick from Grabit. Y'all have a good night. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.